0: On another exciting edition of Animation Deliberation, we are continuing our coverage of Young Justice Season 4, Phantoms, Episode 10, Nomad Esser. It's kind of tough to say that one backwards, but bear with me here. I'm not Zatanna. And we're going to get right into that after some ads we have no control over. So uh, watch out for Clarion, the Witch Boy. If you go somewhere, it will enter, we will enter into a realm of chaos, and you do not want that. So we will be right back. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at solomonbrothers.com, solomonbrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Okay, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the illustrious Zuhair Ali. What is happening? How are you?
1: really illustrious. I feel so flattered. <laughs> uh, I'm shirt? doing good. Shirt?
0: Just another day in
1: paradise, enjoying the the also lovely winter seasons.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hope everyone out there is staying whelmed and warm this holiday season. I, I will say, you know, given the nature of this show, it does a great job tackling um, some of the, you know, heavier stuff as far as like mental health and stuff like that. And I know the holidays can be a particularly tough time for people. So uh, hopefully this show can offer you a little uh, inspiration, a little levity, and hopefully some laughs along the way, and hopefully Young Justice does the same for you.
1: I have a happy mix of everything. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So uh, we are here to discuss uh, some Young Justice, uh, but before we get right into that, we have another five-star review we want to bring up. So, Mr. Zuhair, what do you got for us?
1: All right. From TR Money, I love to cartoon... Five star review says love animation, love comics, love fun jokes and stranded Panda. More great potting from the network. All right. Thanks, Thanks for all the love.
0: Yeah. Short, but sweet. I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate the the feedback there. And then I guess on, on the other side of things, you and I kind of discussed off air, uh, just discussing some of like the topical animation news in the world. So, We did get some news on a show that we've discussed a lot. We've kind of discussed our plans to discuss it anyway, but that is uh, Cowboy Bebop, particularly the live-action version. Uh, Zuhair, you brought this news to my attention, so why don't you let the people know what's going on as far as that goes?
1: Yeah, so we talked about doing some feedback for the animated Cowboy Bebop series in anticipation of the Netflix live action series, which due to one of the hosts always being slow on watching stuff we haven't done yet. Um, (laughs) I'm sure you can guess which one that is. But it turns out that season one actually, because of its mixed and negative reviews, led to the cancellation of the show, even though Mm. they apparently left a big cliffhanger. Uh, it just wasn't getting the love that it needed, and Netflix decided to cut the cord early.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. Netflix has a history of not really giving shows a chance, and it's not entirely on you. I will say for my purposes, I only watched the first three episodes, and uh, while there were some good things, there were definitely uh, some issues as well. So uh, I guess we'll just be hopeful for the, na- the next one if there is a, a next uh, anime Live action adaptation. It's kind of tough to tell what's going yeah. on. I, actually, you know what? I, there is a uh, My Hero Academia live action movie what? in the works, isn't there? I think yes. Supposedly here in the states. Stop it already. Uh, I, okay, okay. Make Doesn't it like stop. it at all. <laughs> Full stop.
1: Oh wait, that movie came out. It's called Sky High. It was on Disney oh, yeah.
0: Channel. <laughs> Good call. Good call. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> now, uh, even though, even though you just like. I could sense the full on disgust when I brought that up. I can't help, but kind of like want to cast a live action uh, all night. And the main person that's coming to mind right now is Patrick Warburton, who I'm sure, you know, as Kronk. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I am here to pull the lever. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) Very good. Okay.
2: All
0: right. So uh, I know you and Andrew covered the previous two episodes and it's kind of one of those things where, you know, ha- it's it's awesome to be covering it as the show is coming out and whatnot. But that was kind of the benefit of covering the previous seasons after they'd been out for a while. You were able to kind of break things up into arcs. And in retrospect, I feel like um, episode eight kind of functioned as a, a book into the previous episodes there. And then episode nine and 10 really function together as kind of this um, setup of this new chaos lord and the conflict there.
1: So. I mean, it sounds like the the people at DC have been enjoying my arc system because this whole <laughs> season has actually been set up in arcs. Yeah, so The first for sure. one, first arc being um, McGann's story. And then we had Artemis's story. And now we have Zatanna's story. And it's not like... <laughs> you're welcome, DC. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep I the know ideas you, coming
0: for sure. <laughs> and they have the sure. cool posters for each one too, which I really enjoy looking at. Oh, they are so good. Yeah, I I love those those posters that come up on the the background on HBO Max. Yeah, they're they're so detailed and so vibrant. They're just incredible. Good call. And I know you're on cloud nine with Zatanna being such a, a focal point right now. Ooh,
1: my heart. <laughs> they did her dirty
0: this episode too. You think?
1: Yeah, because like, well, this whole arc. Because first they like randomly stuck her up with uh, uh, Clarion, and then they mm-hmm. just like threw her in the middle of the battle. It's like, hey, you're probably gonna die in a second, but just look at this fight just to make my point. Yeah, it's like, no, fair. don't torture <laughs> her like that. Oh, yeah. poor girl was so concerned. Like, why is Clarion here? Why did he not kill us? Who are you? Why did I teleport over here? Where yeah. did um? edragon come from okay yeah. now i'm just drowning it's like oh you poor girl
0: yeah when, when you put it like that she did get put through the ringer there didn't she
1: it's like uh, man i just started this day being a teacher how did i end up like this
0: that is fair that is fair they went a long way from those little uh throg throg thing throg womps whatever they were called
1: i would have protected her
0: yeah i'm sure you would have <laughs> Um, but all that being said, so I, I feel like it's again, one of those situations where we basically have, uh, three stories going on. So we have mm-hmm. the flashback sequences kind of explaining more of Vandal Savage's influence on the world at large and kind of h- he and Clarion's history specifically and how that ties into Atlantis. And then there's the ongoing fight with Clarion and the new chaos Lord child. And then how that's, uh, requires, you know, Zatanna's students to recruit Jason Blood and Etrigan with the help of Phantom Stranger. And then the other one, which doesn't get as much screen time, is we continue to see the journey home for McGann and Emory mm-hmm. and um, their Uncle John. So is there a particular one of those you want to tackle first? We've kind of already started to talk about Zatanna and everything going on there.
1: Uh, Sure, it's kind of the... Yeah, I was I was most fascinated with the Atlanta stuff, but we can finish up with that. Let's let's just kind of knock out McGann just because it was kind of quick and short. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, Emory's interesting because mm-hmm. you you don't know like even McGann even points out that she's selfish, so there is kind of like her being her like wanting some attention, but there is a lot of her caring as well. So it's like, it's hard, it's hard to balance like her intent of like, which one matters more to her. Hmm. And it makes you wonder like, if there is any ulterior motive, if it really is about her and some objectives that she has, or if it really is caring about McGann. Um, I don't know. I'm, I just have my guard up with her.
0: Yeah, I, I totally get that. I wasn't sensing it as much in this episode. I mean, initially, especially when they get into that blow up argument, when she's, uh, you know, goes from being seemingly seemingly being very caring to making it about her. And, you know, you never even gave me a chance to be a good sister because you're the worst excuse for a sister. And it, it was kind of, it offered like some nice levity when McGann called her out. She's like, Hey, I am a licensed counselor. I know exactly what you're doing. You're trying to bring me to a place of catharsis. And it's like, well, is it working? Kind of. And
1: just the way they were screaming in their minds was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But then it was heartbreaking, you know, because she says immediately then the, this is the first time I've seen you laugh since. And yeah, since he was taken from me and yeah, she just breaks down again and, uh it's it's tough to watch I mean she's yeah. in such a, a vulnerable place, and she's closed herself off and uh you know Emery mentions as much she's it's been two months and uh she's completely closed her mind off to mm-hmm. both John and her and it's it's not healthy it's not natural so at this point in time, I do think her allegiances are um, altruistic and good, but the show has a history of endearing you to characters that uh tend to stab you in the back. I'm thinking of last season, Dr. who uh I can't remember if this was, it was this episode or the, I think it might've been the previous episode. We got a little bit of a name drop there where they kind of talked about how um, the lights operations in Markovia were, were still going well. And that, uh that was the last episode. Okay. I thought so. I had a, I had a feeling, but
1: yeah, anyway. cause it was, uh it was in the middle of the meeting that Clarion dipped out and that's when they like had mentioned that
0: correct okay good call good call
1: yeah but in regards to what you were saying about that moment like first off it was interesting that john was just kind of like chill. like it's like he was observing but he also just didn't want to be a part of it either like <laughs> th- there was a mixed thing it was just kind of like oh i'm in the middle of this but you know after the emotional breakdown and everything you see that he's just kind of there to observe and see how they take care of it on his own without him interfering in this and that and yeah. you mentioned like it it was it was a big deal for her to break out crying, but it was I mean, break out laughing, but it was just as important for her to break out crying as well. Oh, of course, because, of course. you know, you're not supposed to really pent up emotions like that. Otherwise, it comes out at the most inopportune time. And the fact that she had that moment just to cry in front of her family mm-hmm. uh, was something that she definitely needed. But also the conversation that Jean had with Emery regarding that she's built her own family. Yeah,
0: that's great. Um,
1: With her team, and the fact that she said Richard instead of Dick kind of had me thinking. I was like, "Who the heck is Richard?" That's. Um, I did too, actually. (laughs) So it was the importance of like, like Emery hasn't been there for her. She hasn't like she hasn't like guided her through anything or you know been through any of her trauma. And even Jean has been with the Justice League, so there is this gap in which these two have to to earn that title of being her family because they haven't been there for her as much as Artemis and the rest of them have.
0: Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. They do need to to earn that place. And I, I think, you know, McGann can relate to Emery on that level because that's kind of her own relationship with her own younger brother, which we we kind of saw explored throughout season three in the beginning part of this season. Mm-hmm. So she's willing to give her that chance, but she's obviously in just such a a, a tough spot right now. And I do love the fact that you, you bring up John's insights there because it kind of reminds me as well as, as insightful and thoughtful as he can be. I do appreciate those moments where he, it shows how kind of clueless he can be as well. Cause when yeah. Emery's first trying to make the joke, like, are we there yet? And he's just like, no, we, you know that we have this, like this <laughs> amount of time to go like a full week to go. She's like, it's obviously a joke from like earth references and the, and the fact that she, you know, she's taken on that appearance and is trying to incorporate uh, and, and learn about earth uh, for her sister it means something to me. And I did appreciate the fact that when she wanted to trigger her, the first thing she started doing was insulting earth. She's like, Oh, boring third rock. Why did I ever choose to come here?
1: Third rock was pretty funny. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Um, the only other thing I would kind of tie in that doesn't fully relate to this, this arc, but I guess it kind of functions as a a small fourth arc is that we got those little snippets with beast boy where he doesn't even speak. Yeah. But, uh, you see him, well, I guess in the previous episode, that's when blue demon kind of confronted him. But in this episode, you see that he's got the sleeping medicine and that all he's doing is looking at that photo of a younger version of himself with McGann and, and Connor and ugh. Tough stuff to, to witness. I hope he gets mm. the help that he needs. I know uh, he was instructed to, to seek therapy, so hopefully he follows up on that.
1: Yeah, it's cool you can see what season is being referred to just based on McGann's hairstyles.
0: Mm-hmm. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> she has definitely undergone quite the transformation uh, character-wise and yeah. Yeah, visually. So
1: She looks quite lovely.
0: She does. She does. All right. So I think it's everything for that particular plot line. So you mentioned that you were excited for the Atlantis stuff. So no reason to to wait around for it. Let's, let's get into that. Uh, any particular favorite parts of that or any big surprises for you? Just uh, – I was just intrigued with the lore
1: overall. Okay. The fact that there's two super crucial people to Earth's history that just happen to be related to Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. One being his son, Nomu, and then his grandson, the founder of Atlantis. Like the fact right. that two of his children have had gifts from the order of, from the lords of order, excuse me. Correct. Yeah. Was just like fascinating. The fact that he's causing so much chaos, like they have to put it in his bloodline to be like, yo, stop this, stop this early. Yeah. And <laughs> them going into the history of like, yes, it started off as magic and they were given more magic to control the balance but in turn that made the metahumans and then there was early ways of triggering that but then they started putting the magic with the technology which is how atlantis got to the point that it is because we've seen them like go through sorcery school and how advanced everything is over there and they've had the technology for centuries so it's like seeing the birth of that was just something that i didn't expect them to like really dive into But there's something I never thought that I needed until they actually put it into that much detail. And it wasn't even a whole episode's worth of stuff like they got that whole story just with mixing things together. And obviously, we're going to get more of it. There is going to be, you know, uh, more elaboration on how this affects this world and this and that. But just the way that they put all that information together and how well done the storytelling was and tying in all the stuff that we already knew about Atlantis and about these heroes and about the 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 lore and the universe that they build was just kind of like it's always hats off to the show
0: doing such a good job at that yeah for sure i mean we knew how long lived vandal savage was but that's the thing that like and, and you you hit it on the nail on the head just talking about the fact that not one but two lords of order were his progeny but it's just the other the other part that sticks out to me is like they mention all the like subspecies so we've got um you know, normal humans, uh, Homo sapiens, and then you've got, uh, Homo meta and then Homo magi. And then from the Homo magi, eventually you get uh Homo Mermanis. So it's just, yeah, I had, I had no idea to expect the fact that he was ultimately responsible for Atlantis and so many of the heroes, you know, down the line, it's, it's pretty crazy just to know how much of an impact he has on this entire universe. And you've seen, first off, I'm glad
1: that you remembered all the Latin's words because I totally forgot them. <laughs> um, but it's, we, we've seen like how he feels about his descendants. Mm-hmm. You know, he trains them, he adores them, he wants them to be powerful. But when it comes time to off them, like he cares for them, but it'll just be like, all right, time for you to go. Your job, like your reason for living is done for me. Uh, we've seen him kill his daughter. And then when it got to the point where it's like, it was time for his grandson to go, he was like, Clarion, Um, love you. Bye. Boom. Drowned the whole continent.
0: Yeah. The, the part of that that like sticks out to me is, uh, so when he was gone for 200 years, he didn't even know that his grandson would be there when he got back. So he was kind of delighted to find that he had another immortal like him, the first of his line to be long lived Mm -hmm. like himself. And then, where his grandson, you know, uh, looked upon Atlantis and and felt fulfilled, and and uh, you know, that was enough for him. They mentioned yeah. the fact that Vandal Savage saw something more. His his hunger for more started to grow, and it just seemed kind of fitting that, well, he was wi- he was willing to sacrifice the city of Atlantis by being in bed with Clarion. Once Atlantis was sunk, that wasn't enough. The Lords of Chaos needed more. That wasn't enough to sa- sate their appetite. So. Whereas he was hungry, you know, and uh, killed, killed his own grandson uh to achieve what what he saw as uh, a better endgame, he did not suspect Clarion's hunger to be uh, as great as it was, and it even says like he was saddened by the the great loss of life.
1: so mm-hmm. do you get what their bond is exactly?
0: They see, I it, I just get the impression and the only way it's been laid out um, as far as the show goes that I can really extrapolate is that they see each other as tools to be used. Okay. And Clarion calls them partners, whereas uh, Vandal refers to him as a as a weapon that can be aimed, which just the, the word choice there kind of reminds me of another uh, character that we'll talk about later, but they use very specific language there. So I I think that the Lords of Chaos are kind of right in kind of calling Clarion out for being more of a lapdog. But yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. I guess that kind of transitions it perfectly about the child and how she was accusing Clarion of just being a tool of Vandal Savage. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're you're just his pet. Like you're not actually doing what you're supposed to. And, the Lords of chaos have deemed that you've just been wasting time with your tenure on earth here.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, Clarion made a reference to an event that I knew for sure. He talked about when he turned everybody into kids. I remember that like all the way back in season one, I want to say. And then mm-hmm. he talked about like a rutabaga monster. And then he talked about the earth 17 fiasco, but I didn't know what that one was. So Oh, does that ring a bell for you? Do we know what no, that
1: is? Actually, Andrew asked me about it right before this, too, and I was like, I didn't even know what that. So his okay. question exactly was, um, I wanted to ask you about Clarion's line about the Earth-17 fiasco. I don't remember any multiverse stuff that we saw, and I'm pretty sure Young Justice is on Earth-16, so it was going to pick your brain if I misremembered, or if it was just a subtle nod to the multi, multi-Earth multi stuff DC does but we know nothing about this show is just a nod. So yeah. Hmm. Um, I didn't even know that it was on earth 16, so
0: I didn't really think too much into it. Okay. Well, it might be something from the comics. So like, like we always say, if you're a listener out there that has more comics knowledge than we do, and you know what they're referencing there, please let us know. Animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com is the best place to send that outside of that, just in terms of like the battle that took place, uh, it's always a pleasure to have like Clarion in the fold just because you get to see just like a different visual, like representation of magic and energy on display over there with the chaos magic and whatnot. And he's able to do some more high flying stuff like that. And it afforded Zatanna the opportunity to show off her shields and whatnot as well. Uh, I did want to, we haven't, you know, highlighted the voice actors as much as we kind of did when we first started the show, just because we kind of, gotten in the groove and a lot of those voice actors have stayed the same and the performances have been uh, very consistent. But uh, I did want to highlight the voice actors for the child or child rather. And then Mary, one of uh, Zatanna's students is Erica Ishii. And it's kind of funny. I remember seeing Erica on YouTube. Uh, She showed up on the Screen Junkies channel, which is now the fandom YouTube channel. She would like, show up as a correspondent on a lot of their shows and she would participate on some of the things like movie fights and stuff like that. So it's just really cool to see her have achieved that level of success. And she's doing a great job. I didn't even recognize her. But as soon as I saw her name in the credits, I was like, holy crap, that is so cool. So,
1: Oh, good for her. That's awesome.
0: Uh, Did you have some things you wanted to mention as far as like the skirmish that's going down between... Um, Clarion and child, be it you know the action that took place or maybe some of the dialogue that um they exchanged
1: uh just in regards to the the voice actor yeah. real quick, like you know how when you go through Netflix and there's like a new show like the trailer will just start playing uh-huh. right away, there was an anime that popped up, and it was. The dude who does Clarion's voice just narrating at the oh, beginning, nice. and I was like, "Ooh, just making me cringe already." Yeah. I'm mean, obviously in a good way, but like that voice alone just like caught my attention to like, "What yeah, is that's this?" Uh, Tom
0: Adcox, <laughs> yeah, he's he he's been voicing him since season one, so yeah, he and he is always one of my favorites. So I'm glad he was so yeah, recognizable. Was definitely
1: stood out when that narration started. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, within that skirmish, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna point out that I love um, Flaw's face. And that was just like a stick figure <laughs> great. emotions. Like, it just looks so adorable. Is <laughs> um, it is amazing that, like, the magic doesn't affect mm-hmm. him. Like, he's not easily right. penetrable. And also the fact that they're so fed up with Clarion that Child actually has a power boost from all the Lords of right. Chaos, not just right. hers. Yeah.
0: He goes into the fight, you know, his normal confident self he's like oh, i don't need your help i got this under control yeah. whatever shake-ups are happening out there it always comes out the same she's like oh no you you're you're confused i'm not here to replace you i'm here to destroy your corporeal form so you never exist on the mortal plane again it's just like yeah no fair <laughs> no fair and then i loved how every time he meant to say oh crap he just says oh carp <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, which was quite a bit too. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. And then uh, we have kind of alluded to the fact that Zatanna was kind of a bystander um, to the fight, just kind of a little bewildered, like what's going on here. And the only reason she was there is because this character, the Phantom Stranger um, tells her that her, her perspective is, is needs to be expanded. She needs to have a bigger idea of what's going on because as much as like Clarion has been a long time foe for her, She needs to understand that uh, what they just experienced was a summoning of chaos, and that there are bigger Mm -hmm. and badder things on the way. And uh, the Phantom Stranger is one of those characters that I have often heard referenced, and I've 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 seen um, in the background and and stuff like that. But this is actually the first time I've seen him take like an active uh, role in the proceedings there. And he's I'm excited to to learn more about him. He's he seems uh, he seems like he doesn't he seems kind of like Dr. Fate in the fact that he doesn't really have a vested interest in good or evil per se, more so just the balance of um, things continuing the way that they should. At least that's that's what I'm getting at this point in time.
1: On our last episode, Andrew said that he seems like the Watcher.
0: Okay, yeah, that's, that's a fair one too. I think all of those kind of exist in a similar...
1: Yeah, it's like he's intervening just because he right, has right.
0: to. Okay, yeah, I like that comparison. Uh, outside of him, kind of wisping Zatanna away to the battlefield, the other main thing that he does is collect her students uh, to recruit another character that I would kind of put in the same space as the Phantom Stranger. I've often heard Etrigan the Demon referenced, and I've seen him, uh, you know, pop up in the background, as, especially in the comics. I've seen him in the background a few times, but he never um, had more than a, a line or two. But it was really great to just get some of his backstory and see. Uh, Jason Blood and learn that Jason Blood was cursed, or that I, I don't know if it was Jason Blood that was cursed or Etrigan that was cursed, but one of them were cursed, and they are now bound to each other. Um, so interesting stuff there.
1: Yeah, it was Etrigan that was cursed by Merlin, okay, okay. and then tied to Jason. And didn't Blood. he
0: say like Merlin was his half brother? Okay, so mm. see, so yeah, it. these are things that I had no idea about. So that's that's pretty cool.
1: So. I was actually proud because I knew Ooh. who he was just from the, uh, the DC animated okay, universe okay. because justice league dark, which is my favorite had Etrigan in it.
0: Perfect. Okay.
1: Um, because Constantine was just being a douche and was like, Oh, Hey, I need your power for something. And just like manipulated his ability and drew Etrigan okay, out. Okay. And what's interesting is that he kind of did it in this episode, but Etrigan in that movie, everything he says is, in. I rhymes. did
0: pick up on that. That was great. Yeah
1: yeah so he did it a little bit here and there but it's like there was no point of of dialogue that wasn't a rhyme in that oh wow movie. that's awesome so when i when he came up with the turtleneck and the blazer and that little like patch of gray hair like you know little skunk okay. look uh as soon as i saw that i was like oh oh i know exactly that's who that is now <laughs> cool. that's super cool yeah. uh so when he came up and he went like full demon mode i was like yes that was so yeah. satisfying
0: <laughs> i'm trying to remember uh one of the rhymes i know when he first like did his fire breath on child it was something to the effect of like flames always do the trick burns them down to candle wick yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. i really yeah, like that stuff. one um and then she came like out of the mouth of the oh, that, skull and just that was him. so cool
0: like, yeah when she's just like she starts off tiny and just grows out of his eye socket yeah it was really yeah <laughs> kind of disturbing but really cool because when
1: Clarion stat like slashed her in half and you could see like her brain a little bit, I thought it was going to be something like really grotesque. Whereas like the muscles start to form back around the skeleton, oh, yeah. but the way she just presented herself, I was like, "That's."
0: Well, Blair. that's that's a great call because in the previous episode we saw when she like turned that guard inside out just to like understand how he worked. Ah, yeah. It, so yeah. was pretty gruesome, but I'm really glad that you bring up the, the right before he cuts her in half because we got that scream, which is a great uh, shout out to Erica Ishii again. It like. Sent chills down my spine the first time I heard it, and but I love the fact that it was just a, a, tr- a trick, and like even Clarion fell for it, and he's like, "didn't fool, didn't fool me for a second, did it?" Tickle, it's like, "Well, who asked you?" I was like, obviously, you just did. So.
1: <laughs> and she was even like, "How did my human scream sound? Was it convincing?"
0: <laughs> yeah, she was proud of herself. She's like, "I wanted to put a little of what those humans call oomph behind it."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, great yeah. dialogue.
0: The The other thing I wanted to mention about uh, Etrigan's and Jason Blood's introduction is, and I, I got to shout out uh, Captain Game Show, John Irons, f- friend of the show here. He messaged me right after he watched the episode. So there's that sequence where Jason Blood, when he's in his uh, Sanctum Sanctorum, and again, I was surprised to hear another Sanctum Sanctorum outside of uh, Doctor Strange's. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one exists first but I wouldn't be surprised if it was DC (laughs) anyway. uh, There's that sequence where Mary uh, is touching one artifact after another. And he's like, don't touch that. Don't touch that. That's different, but still very powerful. It's like, you know what? Just don't touch anything. And uh, John Irons messaged me. He's like, please tell me you recognize those artifacts. And I, I had to be honest with him, you know, on first watch, I did not recognize them, but I will definitely keep an eye out on second watch. And upon second watch, they stuck out to me more. And I, 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 had an inclination, but I didn't feel confident enough about it. So uh, I did do the necessary research, but it is a great reference. Did you do you have any idea?
1: Uh no, because as you know, I try to like watch it for the first time as close to mm-hmm. recording. And as soon as it came up, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to know what that okay. is. Uh, I'm not going to rewind because that's not yeah. what I do, but yeah, yeah I'm glad that you yeah. did the research. So after that huge trailer,
0: yeah. what was it? So it's not a spoiler. It's yeah, it's not a spoiler <laughs> for Young Justice, but it is just a great reference to another action animated series, and that is Gargoyles, another Greg Weissman production. And the artifacts oh. are the three keys of power from that show. So they're the Phoenix Gate, the Grimorum Arcanorum, and the Eye of Odin. So... Really, really great. That's reference really cool. Yeah, it, was, it was perfect, and yeah, huh. Etrigan actually looks quite a bit like some of the gargoyles on that show, so it was just yeah, perfect. I can yeah. see that.
1: Apparently, Mary has something inside of her. Yes, the Etrigan pointed out. Yes,
0: and I don't know if that's just referencing the powers of Shazam, where she's I don't I don't I don't know. If, uh, well, actually, she said that she used to be a superhero and she gave it up, so.
1: Yeah, but she got really defensive about it. She was like, I don't have anything. What are you talking about? Well, She
0: just said she's not anything like blood or etrigan. So which Mm. I don't know, just her level. of She was definitely triggered. She was definitely triggered. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's a that's a character. You know, I've seen the the film Shazam and I know Mary showed up in that one. She was the oldest of like the adopted family there. And I believe this is the same character because even in like the last episode, she couldn't say Shazam, but I believe it was 13 that whispered Shazam excitedly. So
1: Yeah. I love how impressionable 13 oh, is. Yeah, she's great. Like she says hello Megan, and that's so <laughs> crash. Like it's it just seems like she really like blends into her environment oh, around for her sure. and you can tell like who she looks up to and this and that. It's just so adorable. Yeah.
0: And I kind of felt like I had a hello Megan uh moment myself, just given the fact that her name is 13. And then I think it, it was the last episode. They kind of, when Zatanna was kind of giving them notes, she was like, you know, um, I, I can't remember exactly what her notes were, but she referenced the fact that her powers are based on unlucky magic. And I was like, Oh, yeah. 13, that makes total sense. Like I, felt kind of dumb for not picking up on that.
1: No, me, me and Andrew kind of said oh, the same okay, thing okay. because like the last time that we saw 13, we didn't exactly know what her power. Yeah. They was. didn't do a great job. And yeah. then it, was, it took a while to remember that her name was 13. So when they actually like took the time to explain that, it's like, thank you. Yeah.
0: DC. Last season, there wasn't much there outside of her being Jaime's girlfriend and being a beast boy fangirl. So yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: good stuff. Yeah. Her name's Tracy Thurston. I want to say it's 13's actual name. I think Probably. so. I think so. Take your word for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the episode ends with oh, actually, I'm trying to remember how it gets there. So basically,
1: uh... I mean, we talked about the other two students. I guess the main thing to point out for um, uh, Khalid was it was really cool that he has healing powers. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of seemed to be like his go to yeah. thing in this That's episode. Fair. Uh, like from being strangled, he healed the throat, and then after his got knocked out from drowning, um, she kind of like resuscitated her uh via that power so his his ability to manipulate works on a medical level which is pretty fascinating
0: yeah Yeah, and it's nice to see him leaning into the instruction that she provided it's like when you change something you know change it back and he he forgot to Mm -hmm. do it to that little frog creature (laughs) but oh yeah Um, (laughs) and the tree yeah. yeah so um yeah i'm glad you, i'm glad you brought him up as well because we didn't want to leave him out of the proceedings it's nice to see an, another character of like color and culture that's not like as much as i loved um why am i forgetting her name now halo uh, what was halo's first name violet violet Gabriel um as much as i love her I, it, it did feel like a little bit of her being and and correct me if I'm wrong here i might be just like speaking from a wrong place but some of it felt like a little on the nose it's kind of like we have to you know include a character like this and mm-hmm. i just feel like this one's a little more natural like he's just there yeah. and he's part of the proceedings we don't need to like hang a light on it as much
1: yeah uh she she definitely is the only one that felt a little forced obviously i enjoyed it because i must oh, have don't so get me wrong cool I, enjoyed it as well. character, I enjoyed it as well at the same time she was kind of like forfeiting Islam at the Mm -hmm. same time, which is fine to each their own. But there was a lot of things where it's kind of like when she mentioned it, there was nothing to lead into it. Like she just would randomly bring up the religion, randomly bring up the hijab. And like the the first credits was her talking about like embracing the religion. So it's like, you know, it's it's cool that they mentioned it and this and that, but of all the inclusion, I think I agree with you that was the only one I seen for okay. so just me being me, I enjoyed it for what it was. No,
0: I, I enjoyed it well and I think I do see yeah, that. No, point. I th- I think you worded it much better than I than I could have. So I, I appreciate you taking my intention and <laughs> making it a little more refined there. So um Yeah. And then I had to mention Khalid because I just his name is oh, cool yeah. and they actually
1: put emphasis yes, on pronouncing it right. Yes, so they did. now I can just say Khalid, Khalid, Khalid. <laughs> Khalid. It's not Khalid. Khaled.
0: Yeah. Um, but anyway, Khalid. we speaking of him having to heal um, Zatanna in terms of her, you know, almost drowning and whatnot. We in the episode with our heroes essentially being defeated, Etrigan included, and, and even Clarion really being defeated and having to, you know, uh, turn tail. But that illustrates the the point that Phantom Stranger was trying to make that chaos and order um, are necessary. And that leads directly into vandal savage having his discussion with nobu and uh, again it just kind of reminds you in case you forgot hey this dr fate that we've been seeing battle clarion throughout the show these last three or four seasons he's actually connected to vandal savage so yeah it's, it's just kind of interesting to, to see where that's going to go he kind of leaves off on a cliffhanger there he's like if you know with your aging host body there who's gonna who's gonna stop this new threat that's more powerful than clarion mm-hmm. as much as you don't like clarion as much as you don't like me you're gonna you're gonna discover that uh you know these elemental this elemental war is is gonna yeah. require m- more of everyone so yeah
1: yeah you i mean you mentioned clarion uh having to bug out reminded me that she actually like oh, what you call the rock tsunami just opened up the earth and just went, oh, carp, and then just ate. Oh, like, yeah. ah. I mean, that's what led to the flood that you know knocked out right. Zatana. Uh but I think Zatana needs to have some words with Nobu mm. because he's there holding on to I think it's Zatara's body. Yeah. But her dad's body, because of Clarion's presence. And he was like, if there's a Lord of Chaos, there needs to be a Lord of Order. I'm holding on to this body. And he was like so persistent on like holding on to whoever he ended up with. And what is he doing right now? Because this whole conundrum is going on and he's just chilling in the Tower of Fate. And the the last couple of huge magical issues that's come up, like that's why you're here. That's why you were so persistent on holding on to this dude's body. That's why you're depriving this girl of her father that she loves so much. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: do your fucking job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobis, Nobis, I'm going to have to censor this out, but it's totally worth it. Nobu's a bit of an Sorry, <laughs> I had to. I had to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and I, I, you mentioned all that. And I Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think the last two times like we've seen the Ankh of Fate come up. It's being um, summoned by Zatanna, not even Doctor Fate. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're totally right there. Yeah,
1: Zatanna's had to deal with Clary on the past couple of times. What's Nobu Good doing? Question.
0: Good question. Um,
1: yeah i i want I want an answer for that. I really want her to confront him and be like, "If you're not going to do your job, let my dad go." Because clearly, I'm the one that's holding the mm-hmm, reins. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll be interested to see if this particular storyline carries through to just like the next episode, and they do like a little three episode arc or if it's another four episode arc. Um uh, but like mm-hmm. I'm not as much as the I don't get me wrong, I love Zatanna, but I'm not the like uh obviously I, it's not something I'm as known for as much as you, but it has been really nice to get to spend just more time with her even though she was a little short changed this episode yeah. as as you mentioned, but you know, they've done such a great job of planning all the seeds with Doctor Fate, uh Clarion and Vandal Savage especially. I, th- I think this episode was uh, definitely a, a high mark for the season. These last two episodes, in conjunction, I think, uh, were definitely a high mark for the season for me. I mean,
1: what's the calendar looking like for the rest of the year? Um, if they do stick with two, well, with four episodes per mm-hmm. arc, this episode came out on the ninth. That would put the third episode on the sixteenth and the 4th and the 23rd, and the 30th is when they're taking their break. Okay. So they could finish up Zatanna, start the 4th arc, and then leave a cliffhanger until the spring. Yeah, time. that's
0: probably where the route they'll go. Yeah. Alright.
1: Unless my timing is wrong and the end of the Zatanna arc is what's the cliffhanger. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Or they give my girl a 5 episode arc. I'm down, hey, with that I'm too. down
0: for that too. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on.
1: I really do like Dr. Fate. I think he's a cool character and there's a lot of backstory to him over here. So as, as much as I do want a lot of Zatanna, I do want to see, um, how they, how they touch that magical realm and what this Lord of order is supposed to be doing. Yeah.
0: Dr. Fate is super cool. Um, one of my first exposures to him outside of this show were, were the injustice games and they just do a really great job of, um, selling you on some of the intrigue there, but Outside of the animated world, I do have to mention we've got uh, the Black Adam starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson live action movie coming Mm -hmm. out. And we do have uh, Pierce Brosnan cast as a live action Dr. Fate. So that'll be very cool to see. Yeah.
1: Much exciting. Mm -hmm. And isn't supposed to be like an HBO Max Datano show? Correct. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Nervous about that one, but... Well, I'm excited to see fate.
0: DC seems to be on the upswing as, as far as their content goes. I mean, we also got that peacemaker trailer. I don't know how you, how you felt about suicide squad. I haven't oh, seen it okay, yet, actually. Okay. Um, but...
1: Yeah. I was a little busy last week. Didn't get around to, to <laughs> watching it.
0: <laughs> hey, it's, it's a busy time of year for, for us all. So, um, you know, <laughs> wink, wink, <not> much. <laughs> just got to stay well. You know, stay well. You know. <laughs> all right. Um, Anything else you want to say about this particular episode or just young justice in general?
1: No, just a super well-balanced episode. We got to progress a story, ask more questions. Uh, they gave us stuff we didn't know that we needed and um, fantastic development
0: as always. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, we've come to that point in the show where we like to let the people know what we have going on. So uh, for myself, I will make mention that I was able to appear on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast for their uh, late night coverage of Hawkeye, Hawkeye Episode 4 on Disney+. Plus. I was joined by Melissa Khalil and Matthew Fox. So that was a, a fun time and it was just uh, kind of heartwarming to be trusted uh, by the main host of that show to step up and make something happen for him there. So I encourage you to check that out, um, as well as all the awesome stuff we're doing here at Animation Deliberation. I did do some coverage for Hulu's Hitmonkey with Blake Guilenfeld, and that was a great time. So check all that out. Zuhair, what do you got going on?
1: Uh, First off, I did not know that you got to take the reins on that. That is amazing. Congratulations. Uh, It's an awesome opportunity. Uh, Excited to go listen to that. Um, For me myself, just going to be honest, life's been a little up and down lately, so I've been behind on the content. I obviously do want to get, um, I do want to get back into the anime stuff, you know, finish our Demon Slayer rewatch because the, the recap season is ending and the new, the official new part of the, the new season is about to begin. So do want to talk to y'all about it. I do want to watch about it. Just trying to get all my ducks in a <laughs> row. So, um,
0: yeah, just keeping an ear out for the anime stuff. Having your ducks in a row is very important. Flack. (laughs) Ah, flack. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For me, I will say thanks for tuning in and continue to do so. That's T-O-O-N. Stay whelmed. Boom. What's up, Animation Deliberation listeners? I'd call you Animaniacs, but uh, I think... We might have some copyright issues there. But anyway, Jay Scotty here with a little addendum to this particular episode. We did get some feedback from one of our stalwart listeners, Mr. TJ Stafford. And I totally flubbed at the beginning of the episode. I had the audio queued up and everything and then just uh, totally forgot to mention it. So wanted to include it at the end of this episode. And thank you, TJ, for always listening and providing your feedback. I think you get some great thoughts here that will uh, serve as a good um, kind of close the episode and get people thinking about where the season has already gone and where it will continue to go. So thanks as always, and keep tuning in.
3: Hey guys, I want to try one of these voice memos to talk about the latest episode. First of all, I want to check on Zoo and make sure he's okay, because we had a whole episode leading to a whole arc all surrounding Zatanna, and I wanted to make sure his heart didn't just explode or something like that. This was a fun episode, even though it was a lot of exposition. I really enjoyed the narration done by, I believe it's the Phantom Stranger? Question mark? He reminded me a lot of Uatu from What If, so that was pretty cool. We also learned a lot about Vandal Savage in this episode. Apparently his genetics working its way through humanity over thousands of years is what led to the modern metagene, and he started the community that would become Atlantis before it went underwater. We also learn that he's known Clarion for a lot longer than we thought. And it seems like their relationship might be a bit more complex than, than has been shown up to this point. So I'm curious to see if that's going to get dove into at all in the next few episodes. Zatanna has really embraced her role as a teacher of magic because she's got three new students. Well, the first one is Tracy, codenamed 13, who we met last season. And I kind of suspected her powers were luck-based just because of her name. And as it turns out, that is true. That was confirmed in this episode. We also get to meet Mary Marvel, who says that she was on the team for a while, but kind of implies it didn't go very well. So I'm curious to see if we can learn a little bit more about her tenure on the team and why things ended up the way they did. And then the final student is a young man named Khalid, I said that right and I really didn't know anything about him so I broke down and did a quick goog and come to find out at one time he is Dr. Fate so I'm wondering if throughout this arc we're going to see him end up taking the helmet of fate from Zatara and becoming the new Dr. Fate and considering how young he is he could be fate for quite a long time and that'd be very interesting to see There were a lot of references to Season 1 made in this episode that I really liked. The first one was Madame Xanadu talking about back before she knew she had powers and she was essentially a fake, and interacting with Kent Nelson is what led her to discover her powers, and we saw that episode in early Season 1. And then the other reference I noticed was Roanoke Island. Apparently, I think they said this is a place where chaos magic is strong or something like that. But they were there in Season 1 also, and that's where all the evil sorcerers gathered to split reality between the adults and the children. So that's a nice callback. And speaking of Rowan Elk, I just want to say this new villain child and her uh, new automaton called Flaw are both very creepy. That smiley face on flaw is going to have to go real soon because it's giving me the creeps. Anyway, that's about all I had for this episode. I'm very curious to hear your guys' thoughts.
1: Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit Strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed.
3: You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float
0: along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome